Welcome to the Soil Solutions Podcast. I am your host, Jessica Nadd, and this podcast is being produced in partnership with High Plains Journal and Great Plains Regeneration. With me today is Zach Stuckey. Welcome, Zach. Hi, Jess. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here. You know, with High Plains Journal and the publisher, it really is my mission as a son and grandson to grow or just here in the heart of Kansas that we make sure soil health and our content is always practical and real. And no matter what cropping system you're in, that it impacts your bottom line immediately. Excellent. Healthy soil equals healthy people, planets and animals. And we're excited to be here. I'm your host, Jessica Nadd, and today is a super exciting day because I have my good buddy, Dr. Trish Jackson on the line. Trish, how are you? I'm doing all right. I'm super excited, too. Super excited about talking to my good friend, Jess. Awesome. Okay, so Trish, um, let's just get down to the nuts and bolts. Right now, we're going to be talking about our premier event that's coming up in January, Soil Health You. It's January 18th and 19th in Salina, Kansas. And this has really been the mainstay for soil health education in the middle of the country for many, many years. And we're just excited to be back in person. And you were actually at our last in-person event. You know, that event changed my life. The 2020 Soil Health You. I've been going for years and that one was just a game changer. Yeah, it was really good. You know, it was in January before the whole world changed. And I don't think any of us had any clue what was about to happen. There's a lot of takeaways that we could unpack from COVID. And I don't even want to because my brain's pretty fried right now. And I'm just so excited to be out of that whole space and to be back meeting with farmers and ranchers, with producers, and being able to really accelerate the soil health message. So, you know, for, for us, that was kind of the beginning, but we're really persevering through these tough times. That's right. Let's just think about that 2020 event as a launching time and this 2023 event as, you know, carrying forward all that momentum that we started. Fantastic. Well, let's let's dig deep. Let's get to, get to the root of who you are and what you're working on right now. So, Trish, Give us a little bit of the history of what you've been able to do in soil health in the region. Well, Jess, um, I moved back to Kansas in 2015. I had traveled the world. I got, a, you know, quite an education. Um, went to South Dakota State University where I was assistant professor for four years and did a lot of really great soil health research research. I wanted to come back to Kansas really bad to make land use decisions on the on the farm and just to bring all those lessons that I learned to, you know, to fruition. Because when you're in academia, you don't really get to affect change a lot. So I was excited to come back to Kansas in 2015. That's actually when I met Jess. And uh, since then, I've been working hard on, uh, you know, for a couple of years, I did just research in soil health. I was working in biochar at that time because I understood through all my training, that carbon was the key ingredient to get soil moving in the right direction, get the soil health up. And so then um, in 2018 or 19, around late 18 probably, is is when I reached out to Prairie Food because I was living in Pratt, 
working at Pratt Community College as a science instructor. And I heard about this company that was taking these biomass resources and turning it into carbon, a carbon slurry that could be put down on the soil. And that was exciting to me, really exciting, because what I was finding in biochar is that it wasn't scalable. It was really hard to do. It could be a solution, but it was just not, didn't fit into agriculture as we know it today. And prairie food does. So then I joined the team. Now I work for Prairie Food. I'm the director of regenerative ag. Yes. Let's unpack that for a minute because you hear a lot about biochar. And if I'm listening to what you're saying is that, uh, you know, maybe break down a little bit what is biochar. But the observation that I have at this point is that it's not scalable and that what you're doing with Prairie Food is um, a solution to the scale of the mechanism of what you're trying to accomplish with the biochar. So give us a little bit of nuts and bolts into what that looks like. Sure. Uh, Biochar is simply uh, basically burnt wood. Um, You can make biochar out of any biomass, but a lot of people make it out of wood and you have to uh, burn that wood in a, so burn is probably not the right word, but you're, you're decomposing it without oxygen using heat. And so it turns into kind of the shell of the biomass, a carbon shell. And so that then it, then that carbon you can put into the soil, but it outcompetes the soil for water and nutrients unless you pretreat it. And so I could go on and on about that. There's lots of steps you have to take to make biochar really effective and working in the soil. So prairie food's different from that because it's immediately available to all soil biology from the instant it touches the ground. And so that's that's a huge advantage. Not only that, it's this slurry with very, very fine particle size. So you can put it through, put it onto the ground with regular spray equipment. So now we're on thousands and thousands of acres with much greater ease and less expense than we would ever do with with a biochar product. I think that makes a lot of sense, um, what you're talking about here. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about about you, Trish. I mean, you're a Kansas farm girl, and um, you're helping Prairie Food scale. You're helping them with the research, the data. Um, and then you're actually going to be presenting a lot of this on a session at Soil Health U called Get the Dirt on Your Soil. So, um, you know, I think that's a pretty good appetizer going into <laughs> going into the podcast discussion. But one thing that I'm really interested in is just this whole path to soil health. And um, we've talked a lot about these last couple of years, even the last five or 10 years, you know, there would be one or two soil health events. You had soil health, you, you had no on the plains, you had a couple others. Well, now I feel like everybody now knows about soil health. And so the question is, are, are these things scalable? And being a trusted advisor in this industry, how did you come into that place? Um, like I said, you're a Kansas farm girl yourself. Yes. So I've been thinking about how to transform the knowledge base that we have into real, you know, um, actionable items that are scalable here. And so the best way to do that is to is to have a system of building soil health that you can kind of plunk into the existing mechanisms and infrastructure and machinery and everything, you know, even way of thinking that we have right now as to ease that transition uh, for growers and producers so that they can 
take that step, take that first step without making a huge change in their operation. And so um, say they want to start, you know, taking care of their soil. They've heard, all, they've been to these events. They know that they need to start taking care of their soil. They want this long-term legacy and resiliency on the operation so it can extend, you know, into future generations. So what can they do today? Well, prairie food is one thing they can do today that will start that process of healing their soil so it starts functioning the way they need it to function. So then they can start reducing things like inputs. And so um, it's just it's just a brilliant thing because we're taking these biomass resources that are readily available. Uh, so manure from feedlots, for example, um, distillers grains, spent distillers grains from an ethanol plant, and that is the feedstock for our prairie food. And so we're really trying to create this circular nutrient cycle, a circular monetary cycle. So instead of our money going off to China for inputs, it stays local. So we're recycling those nutrients and the money locally to get the soil working for us again so we can build resilient communities. And that's what it's all about. Man, you are really hitting on a lot of key factors that I think are on a lot of people's minds. I mean, I think first and foremost, talking about solutions that are scalable and that fit production agriculture. Um, you know, not necessarily, it doesn't have to, you know, there could be some retrofitting. I think we, we've had other people on the podcast that are talking about how they are using existing implements to, um, you know, either strategically seed a cover crop or strategically place product throughout the growing season. So, I mean, I really like the approach that you guys have right now. Um, you talked a lot about the circular economy, and I know you're going to talk about this a little bit down the road in January. But there's a lot of pressures in farming, not just this past year. Um, we've got uh, we've got weather and environment pressures. We've got market pressures. And you talked a lot about that circular economy. Uh, do you see other people thinking along these lines or um, where are we at in the whole development of some of these concepts? Wow, that's that's a huge question. <laughs> <laughs> I can read your face as Edward. Okay. I'll say that, um, you know, on the Prairie Food Board of Directors, for example, we have Dr. Tom Honig. Um, he was he was instrumental for many, many years in the Fed. He was um, just, you know, number two under Greenspan, head of the Kansas City Fed. And so he's advised us on this and he's pointed out that prairie food could be a real solution to changing the way that money flows globally. And the, the way that we do that is really what I just talked about a minute ago is instead of relying on inputs, 51% of inputs coming internationally into the United States, that means our money is leaving the country. Why not change that whole model and have all that money circulate in rural America. Can you imagine if we took 51% and of all that money that's leaving rural America and all of a sudden it was circulating within our rural economy? It's, it's totally life transforming. Yeah. I mean, it makes me think of, um, I read a, an article from that Charles Eisenstein that had gone to Fuller Field School a couple of weeks ago out at Gail Fuller's place. And he's been a he's been on the podcast. I think he was 
talking about full health and fake news and just kind of some fun topics like that. And he was really surprised to see the concentration of agriculture and yet seeing so many rural communities um, looking downtrodden, you know, or looking maybe a little uninhabited. So I don't know if that was just a person not from the Midwest having a perspective. For me, you know, I'm a Kansas girl and I grew up in the the middle part of the, the state. And so I'm used to seeing communities a certain way. But we that economic revival, that small town revival is something that I think a lot of us desire. And you you talked about earlier about legacy. Pharmacy, far, farming is, is a lot about legacy and being able to sustain that operation from year to year. And so putting things in to emphasis like soil health is something that I think a lot of producers are looking towards right now. You know, soil is the foundation. Um, everybody eats. And so why wouldn't everybody be interested in, in the soil in which their food is grown? And, and that's really the heart, if you will, of regenerative agriculture. You have to take care of the soil because the soil is what, you know, impacts our health in so many different ways. If we're poisoning the soil, then that, you know, filters into our water, into our air, into our food. And so if you all of a sudden partner with nature and start taking care of the soil, all of a sudden, all of these things that might have been problems before become benefits. You start having cleaner water, cleaner air, better, more nutrient-dense foods, and you get that circular economy moving. And so now your bottom line's healthier, too. So regenerative ag is not just about soil. It starts there, and then it, it just has these amazing ripple effects through the whole community. So it's regenerating our communities and our health as well. Wow, I I really like that statement. Um, Dr. Aaron Silva talked a lot about that, about just the different biodiversity that was involved in making these changes. So, okay, one of the questions that I had on my list was, was and I think you just kind of answered that. The question was, is farming poised for change right now? And I think we feel that. We see that brewing. Even just being able to do events over the last couple of years, there's just, there's a whole bulk of folks now that are involved that want to learn more. Um, your presentation in January, without giving away too much of the surprises, it's called Get the Dirt on Soil Health or Get the Dirt on Your Soil. So I'm going to emphasize your soil. So how does prairie food help a producer with their particular soil? Not some sort of survey that's been done or some sort of estimate or model. How does prairie food actually help your soil? We have a, a team of soil health advisors uh, that will talk with you, um, do a farm visit, and come and just see what are your greatest challenges and then work to develop a field plan or a whole farm plan um, that can help you step into that regenerative practice world. And so uh, we'll, we'll, you know, walk shoulder to shoulder with you and, and work to understand the context of your situation and your farm. Um, and then we also track, you know, we collect data. So we track soil health through Haney Soil Health Tests. Um, early season and late season, and we come out and we do observations. Uh, we'll work with your agronomist um, if you'd like. We're really just there to add um, some, um, you know, informed advice and education, if you will, to just help you along uh, with the goals that you set your, for yourself. I like that. I mean, it's always be learning, right? 
Yeah, and we have quite an amazing team because we we have the agronomy team, we have data scientists that are helping, you know, crunch the numbers and understand what exactly is going on out in the field. We have a whole research team at Prairie Foods who are doing field work uh, type research and working with producers on research. And we also have greenhouse work going on. We're just getting ready to do a nutrient density study. Uh, so we have a, a lot going on with Prairie Food, and we would love to to talk with you about how to help um, at your particular situation. Well, I think that's a great uh, that's a great appetizer teaser for the event that's coming up in January. And um, just thinking about, is there anything else that you want to talk about? We had done a uh, I'd done a little background research on you, and uh, one thing that I found out was this word geoarchaeologist. And that kind of, when you first started this conversation, you talked about being able to travel internationally and do a lot of studies. How do you see the work that you did in your early career? How do you see that starting to kind of infiltrate with your work you're doing in Kansas and in particular with Prairie Food? Well, geoarchaeology is pretty awesome. Um, I, I found out about it when I was at KU in graduate school. I was studying soils. Yes, KU has soils. And, and uh, soil studies. And my, I heard they uh, have a football team for the first year too. This is their first year <laughs> playing football. <laughs> the first yeah. I've ever heard of them. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm paying attention again. <laughs> they surprise us a lot over there in Lawrence. <laughs> hey, why not? Um, but anyway, my dissertation advisor, Bill Woods, uh, is a geoarchaeologist. Was I should say he's he's not with us anymore. Uh, but he was a premier expert globally recognized for his work in understanding how ancient societies, uh, in, you know, worked with the soil to survive and thrive. And so through his influence, I came to understand um, the ancient Amazonian soils, for example, where there was the original biochar enriched soils there. And I thought, why, if they were so amazing at taking some of the worst soil in the world and transforming it into still today some of the best, most fertile soil in the world, why can't we do that? Why can't we take that same idea, which is finding a way to enrich the soil with carbon and biology to help it work for us? And so that idea that there were all these ancient societies that lived for thousands of years in the same place because they were able to take care of their soils and, and build the soil. I'm seeing a, sort of a, a rebirth of that way of thinking that it doesn't have to be a technological solution that we can start partnering with mother nature and learn from her because she's been doing this for, you know, billions of years and find ways to kind of make it easier on ourselves, you know, and, and, uh, not reinvent the wheel, so to speak. Yeah, I, I like that. It's the soil, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well, listen, this has been a fantastic conversation. We look forward to seeing you uh, at Soul Health U January 18th and 19th in Salina, Kansas. Congratulations to the Prairie Food team. Keep rocking. I know you guys have some events that you're doing um, that High Plains Journal is helping out with, too. So, um, so yeah, we just look forward to continue to work with you, Trish. Thank you. My pleasure, Jess. It's been really fun. Oh, Trish, I had one more thing that was on my mind. You were talking about 
your presentation and being able to talk about what what Mother Nature can do for agricultural soils, right? So a burning question of mine is how does this fit into the whole nitrogen paradigm? I mean, what can prairie food do or how does this work in the soil? That's something I'm going to be talking about uh, in January at Soil Health U. Um, Essentially what we're seeing with prairie food out in the field is that it's balancing out. It's encouraging the growth of the native biology. So it's there. It's just dormant. It may be a little out of balance. And so what prairie food's doing is it's helping restore the balance and just the population of biology in your soil. Some of that biology is actually nitrogen fixers. So it it will take free nitrogen out of the air and bring it down into your soil to feed the plant. That is the job of the soil biology is to find ways to feed the plant because the plant is feeding the soil biology. So be more specific when you say soil biology. What do you what do you mean? Well, um, some of the things we've seen uh, in a bacteria dominated soil, which is really what you get when you have a soil that's been beat up a lot. So it's been tilled or, um, you know, lots of chemicals have been have been uh, put down on it. So it becomes a bacteria haven when when we treat the soil that way. We need to have more balance in the soil. So we need to have other guys in there that are consuming the bacteria because when you have bacteria consumers as predators, actually this wonderful fertilizer, this manure that's nitrogen rich. And so we need to see those predators come back. We need to see fungal populations come back because the fungal populations, that's the infrastructure in the soil where you get lots of nutrient flows along there, information, water, flow and storage. And so if prairie food can help that soil rebuild that ecology and make that work for us as nature design, we get all those free services. And one of those is nitrogen fixation. So why why not? I I am so excited to hear your presentation in January over this. In fact, I don't even know if I can wait that long. You're going to, I'm going to have to call you online and try to figure this out. So this is fascinating. I think it's a timely conversation for farmers and ranchers, for all of us to better understand what soil and what I hear you saying is soil biology can do for us at scale and and in production agriculture. So fascinating. This is exciting. I'm glad to see so many people working on these topics and really coming up with solutions. That's right, Jess. Thanks for being a good soil sister. (laughs) Well, I'm looking forward to getting the dirt on my soil. I'm surprised that we even use the word dirt. There's some, you know, there's some some uh, some groups you go into, you might get your your toe shot off if you refer to <laughs> refer to soil as dirt. So hopefully nobody shoots your toe off when we get up on stage. <laughs> I might be one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, friend. Well, it's great to check in with you. And like I said, we're looking forward to seeing you at Soil Health You and reach out anybody in advance. If you have questions for Dr. Trisha Jackson, uh, we'll make sure to get them to her. Looking forward to it. Appreciate you joining us today. And for more soil health information from High Plains Journal, please sign up, hit the subscribe button at the bottom of the page. I look forward to growing together.